Welcome to Mike's Notes, episode 49. A few thoughts from the book Dear Chairman by Jeff Graham. Uh, Dear Chairman from uh, Jeff Graham is a book about uh, letters from shareholders to boardrooms and boards of advisors and boards of directors for different companies. And Graham has found a series of letters from people like Carl Icahn, um, Ross Perot, Ben Graham, and a whole bunch of other people who are activist investors who saw a company that was doing something or acting in a way or not keeping their shareholders in mind. And these companies were either taken over through proxy fights or the investors bought a majority share and voted out the board of directors or a host of other things that happened. And Graham does a really nice job of um, taking the best sections of the letters, which are all included in the book, but he, he includes the best sections in each chapter about a different uh, shareholder activist and the company that they approached or the group of activists and the organization that they approached. Beyond Graham, Graham's work in the book, though, there are a few really important ideas that stuck out to me. The first is that great management may not be great capital allocators. So if you have this company that is bringing in money, they have a great cash flow situation, they may not be the ones who know how to put that money to work in the best way. That's what makes Berkshire Hathaway such an interesting company is that the managers of all the subsidiaries of Berkshire Hathaway send their money back to Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger to distribute. So we have a division of labor based on expertise. Buffett and Munger are the capital allocators and the managers of their companies are the ones that are really good at running the business. They are the people who can roll up their sleeves and make the trains run on time. Another really important idea from this book is that shareholders need to see what's going on and they need to know what's been going on. In each of the cases for an organization in this book, things got out of hand. And we'll get to that in the next big point. But shareholders failed to pay attention to what was happening. They needed to be there. Being there is a really big idea that comes up over and over again, where if you can't see what's going on, if you don't really know what's going on, then you're going to be behind the power curve when it comes to making decisions. You're going to be reacting too late instead of acting in a in a proactive manner. The example that I always think about when I think about being there is Samuel Zamuri, who, as he built the largest banana import business in the United States of America, he was always on the docks in New Orleans and always on the boats going to the banana republics and always on the banana plantations. And he was swinging a machete and he was clearing fields and he was planting trees and he was doing all of that work. He saw all of those things. In fact, Zamuri had this rallying cry that they're there, we're here in reference to his competitors that stayed in their offices in Boston and didn't really understand what was going on. And that's how shareholders need to be. They need to be there to see what's going on, to understand how a company may or may not be uh, managed correctly. The third big idea that relates to being there is that submerged turbulence can last a long time. In the shareholder letter from Ross Perot to GM, we start to see this situation. We can see how there were um, turbulent undercurrents that was under the surface. But all people looked at with GM was the surface. They saw that they were the largest car maker in the United States. They saw how many people they employed. And beyond that, there was a lot of 
mismanagement. There were uh, failures of design. There was failures of decentralized command. There was failures to focus on the most important thing. There were all kinds of failures at General Motors. And those failures could have been seen if we could pay attention to the um, underwater currents, if we could pay attention to the things that were going on that weren't easy to find. That's another uh, thing that I learned from this book, which uh, goes along well with you too can be a stock market genius, which I'm reading at the same time as Dear Chairman. And that's these situations that you can really profit from, these mismanaged companies. You have to look for them. You have to dig for them. You have to go underwater and you have to see these currents because if you just look superficially, you're not going to find these situations that require a different course of action. The fourth thing that I learned from Dear Chairman is that mergers and acquisitions rarely preserve value and bring synergy. This is something uh, that I looked at in a recent blog post, but it was echoed in this book, is that it's really hard to bring companies together and to have those companies preserve their value. The example that was given in an Exponent podcast was Disney and Pixar as the gold standard, where both of those companies are greater than the sum of their parts now. It was a successful merger where the value was not only preserved, but the value grew because of the people involved and the ideas and the combinations of skills. Too often, different mergers and acquisitions destroy value because the companies have a market value before they're acquired, and then cumulatively that value isn't there anymore. Why that happens, I'm not exactly sure, but I just got the impression that mergers and acquisitions really have to be done well. They're like a different, they're like a really difficult move in gymnastics. You see gymnastics in the Olympics and the contestants get graded on a degree of difficulty as well as anything else. And if you can land a really difficult move, you'll get a lot of points for it. And the same with mergers and acquisitions. If you can land a successful merger or an acquisition, there's going to be a, a lot of rewards for it, but that's really hard to do. The next thing, and this is sort of a summarizing point from the book, is that there are certain characteristics of a good board of directors. That is, the people that you can have involved in your company, the people that management has to talk to and answer to, has certain characteristics. One is that they have skin in the game. If the board of directors is financially aligned with the finances of the company, things often go well. And the same for management. If management has skin in the game, then the companies tended to do a little better. They were less likely to have um, a proxy fight or shareholder activism. The second thing is that a good board of directors has to be objective. Benjamin Graham wrote, quote, investment is most intelligent when it is most businesslike, end quote. You can't get stuck with subjective measures or biases or other factors that influence your thinking. There were a few situations in the book where family members were involved, and you have to think that maybe that family member is doing a good job, but you also have to acknowledge that there's going to be a little bit of personal bias because of that type of relationship. Beyond family members, there were friends and buddies, and um, there was basically an old boys network at one company, and that biased the situation too. Those uh, board of directors were not objective to management. They had other interests and motivations. 
The third thing a good board of directors will do will be to understand the core business. This goes back to being there. You have to have people on the board of directors that understands, is this a direct-to-consumer company? Is this a business-to-business company? Uh, should we be expanding? Should we be investing in this? What are the comparables for another industry? What is the base rate for a reference class? If you have people who can ask those questions and at least be fluent and able to talk about the answers. You'll have people that will have the characteristics of a good board of directors. And the fourth thing a good board of directors has to do is they have to talk with others and they have to argue well. There were a lot of really petty and juvenile instances in this book where people weren't able to have objective and civil conversations about things that really seemed clear. Some of that is Graham's filtering based on what he wanted to write and what he wanted to include in the book. But good board of directors will argue well. They will be a, a situation where they can have an argument and they can have a knock, knockout, drag out fight, and then they are able to go get beers. In another book that's uh, in a similar vein to this, also very interesting and with a lot of lessons, it's called The Outsiders. And it's about a group of CEOs who did things a different way. One characteristic of that book is that the discussions within management could be like wrestling matches, one of the characters in the book says. So if you're able to really argue well to get at the truth of an idea, you'll have a good board of directors. Overall, I really enjoyed Graham's book. It was crisp, it was funny, and there were a lot of lessons to be learned from it. If you want to see more notes that I take on books, or if you want to join the book club that I'm starting for 2017, head over to thewaiterspad.com. Thanks for listening.